Are you a passionate business owner or entrepreneur ready to take your message to the world? Do you dream of launching your own podcast but don't know where to start? Introducing my eight-week Start Your Podcast program designed to guide you every step of the way in creating and launching your podcast. In this program, you'll learn the essential skills needed to craft engaging content, record high-quality episodes, and market your podcast effectively to reach your target audience. I will work closely with you providing personalized guidance and feedback to ensure your podcast stands out in a crowded digital space. But hurry, spots are limited and applications for our upcoming cohorts are closing soon. Don't miss this opportunity to turn your podcast dreams into a reality and launch your podcast this summer visit our website donnaede.com forward slash apply and apply now to secure your spot in our next cohort together let's make your podcasting vision a success the podcast everybody I am so excited to have you here and even more excited if it could be possible to have the lovely Alan Marshall with me on the show today hi Alan how are you I am absolutely fine absolutely fine I'm having a good day Good. So Alan is a national award winning DJ and I have brought him on today to talk yeah, all things wedding because obviously I speak a lot about the business side of things and how we can implement our systems. But I thought it'd be really good to hear from somebody who's actually in the trenches with you right now and see what's been going on. So Alan, could you talk us through how you got started? Because you have a 25 year career in the DJ industry and you're also not just a DJ are you you do some other stuff so let us know a little bit about you okay well well let's go back into the eons and time then actually (laughs) I've been DJing since I was um I was DJing before I went to school I've been DJing a very long time I've been a DJ uh in the wedding industry for just shy of 40 years wow my first ever professionally paid event was a wedding for a, a good friend of mine now in fact couple years ago I did her third wedding so um yeah <laughs> so, so um she's got your speed dial it, it def- definitely pays to stay in touch with your clients that's for sure that lesson was definitely learned yes um prior to that I used to be uh, I was that awkward kid at parties family parties that they used to just stick stick in the corner with the record collection and it kept me entertained but in 1980 I did my first wedding as a DJ and 
I've been a DJ around the world. I've DJed in Ibiza. I've DJed weddings and pretty much every conceivable event you could think of. <laughs> Until uh, 2008, I went to a conference in Birmingham and I saw a gentleman called Ken Day. Now, Ken Day was from the States and Ken Day was doing a presentation on what he called the soft sell. And the soft sell was if you specialize in one thing, you get really good at it and you're known for it. Mm -hmm. And I looked at my wife, Anna Marie, and she looked back at me and we realized, well, that's weddings. Weddings are the one that we enjoy doing. Mm. So long story short, that led me to a trip to America, to the United States, to Las Vegas, to attend my first workshop, which the certificates behind me are a few of, to actually create something that wasn't available before. There was a stereotypical idea of what a DJ was. A DJ is just the guy that turns up in the evening, even at a wedding, and plays the music when all the the important stuff, all the ceremony has uh, happened and the meal's been had and then we have a bit of a party in the evening. Mm -hmm. So I invested in myself to actually find a way that we could make that even more creative and more personal to every single client. And I've spent the last 10 years traveling back and forth to the States and making connections around the world to actually create something that in 2019 won us the National Wedding DJ of the Year Award. Brilliant. So part of your business is actually being a master of ceremonies alongside the DJ. So that's how you're kind of bringing it in and making it more of a a full service. And I think that's a really good idea because a lot of people forego the master of ceremonies because they just see it as an added expense that's not needed. And what with either a wedding planner or hotel coordinator and things like that, things get done and move along. And I know even when I was doing weddings as a photographer, I one of the first things I used to do was sit down with my brides and go, okay, what time is your ceremony? What time is your dinner? And then I would schedule their day and I would generally keep them on track and go, okay, we're going to go and do these photos now. And um, we're going to finish this now because your dinner's ready and, and things like that. And I would kind of lead them through the day. But a master of ceremonies is such a lovely addition to a wedding to have somebody who's taking that strain off that's, you know, coordinating with everybody and making sure that everything is happening and have that be your DJ. I think that's a really nice way of you getting to know your couples really well and, you know, not just being that turn up, set up, do your bit, close down and go home. I think it's a really nice added element to the service that actually makes it a little bit more special and a little bit more personal. Oh, absolutely. I think think one of the One of the original challenges, because when I went out to the States, this seemed to be the norm. It seemed to be the norm. And I I know it's not the norm, but for the the people that I was networking with, it seemed to be the norm that that was the DJ guy. Now, when I came back to the UK, the first hurdle I hit was the fact that when you mentioned the word master of ceremonies, most couples think of the guy in the red jacket who's the toastmaster. The yeah. white gloves and the gavel, and he hollers a lot. <laughs> and I'm no no disrespect to um, Toastmasters. I've worked with some amazing Toastmasters, so mm. we can complement each other for sure. So I'm not I'm not saying that you know we're, we're better or, or we're just different. My coach, a guy called Mark Fell, who had um, a workshop called the Marbecca Workshop, and that teaches you to be a master of ceremonies, and it also teaches you storytelling techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, a thing called the love story, which I delved into and had success with. But what he told me from the off was, 
you take 100% responsibility for the success of the whole event. Mm -hmm. And that means my job is to make sure that the photographer is aware of what's happening and when when it's going to happen. And if there's a, a spotlight moment that I can make sure that they're there ready to record it, I don't suddenly go and do something and they miss it. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that, you know, in a kind way, I've got to manage those people, those other suppliers, to make sure that the intention for my clients, how they see the event, the, their wedding day flowing, actually happens Mm. so that means I've got to be able to connect with lots of different people throughout the wedding day this sounds disrespectful but um it's not meant to be disrespectful right so on a wedding day next to the bride and groom I'm probably the one person that cares about the entire day Mm -hmm. now that's not disrespectful to the photographer or the cake lady or the caterer etc but they've kind of got their their roles and once their role is done they they move on Maybe they've got the photos and then it's the first dance has happened. Maybe a father-daughter dance has happened. And then the photographer says their goodbye and off they go. Or the cake turns up and it looks amazing and it tastes amazing. But that's kind of, that was the job and so forth. Now, my job is to connect all those dots together on a wedding day so that all of it makes sense, not only to the bride and groom, but everybody else in attendance has to understand the significance of why A wedding cake is important. Why it's important that these photographs are taken, etc. And why um, this is a big deal, this meal, this spread that's been put in front of them by the bride and groom, by the family potentially of the bride and groom, is a big deal. It's not Mm -hmm. just a meal. Yeah, and that's my job to communicate that as a master of ceremonies. Yeah, no, I love that, and and I, you know, as a wedding photographer, I don't feel disrespected by that. I always used to say to my couples that um, personality, and I say it about any vendor that you use, personality is really important. But I would always say, you know, with your wedding photographer, you know, there's two things you come out with from your wedding: a husband or wife, and your photos, and you better hope that both are great. And if you don't match on a personality level with your photographer, it's going to make it hard because I always said, you know, your photographer is the one person other than your significant other. You're going to spend the most time with that day. In fact, with my bride, I would spend more time with my bride than her husband would, than any other person would, because I was literally with her the whole entire day. And it's that to me was like my importance. My importance was making sure that the bride was happy with everything that was going on. And when there wasn't somebody else, wasn't a wedding planner, master of ceremonies, toastmaster, you know, coordinator at the hotel doing that job, that was my job. I would step into that role because it was important to me. And it's not to sort of invalidate any vendor's thoughts, feelings, and passion for what they do. But when you are there in a master of ceremonies position, you are literally going from the start through to the very end because I wouldn't ever stay right to the end I always used to say first dance done I'm out of there because I would say you don't need professional photos of all your mates drunk you just don't their phone photos for that will be absolutely fine and dandy they don't need to be in your wedding album so I would always leave at that point but you're not you're there right until the very end so um I think that's a very good point that you make that it is and it needs to be as important to you as it is to the couple because otherwise you're not going to be doing your job to the best of your ability a hundred percent I wrote a blog a few years ago um which mentioned the word DJ but I think it's the same as any wedding supplier it was that your for argument's sake your wedding supplier should be your friend and 
two reasons. One, you should feel comfortable with your wedding supplier because they are representing you. They are providing for you on your wedding day. So work with people that you like, Mm. for sure. But also when the wedding provider supplier takes on board the fact that they're a friend. Now, if you knew that this weekend there was a wedding, only if, but if there was a wedding <laughs> this weekend. We can dream. <laughs> and, and it was for your best friend, what would you do? You'd go that extra mile. Yeah. Now, I, I've worked many weddings where I've sadly not seen that. Uh, I've seen the other side of that coin where yeah. it hasn't been um, as perfect or they haven't been as invested in the success. And that could have been a wrong choice or it could just be personalities on the day. Mm. You know, stuff didn't happen, et cetera. It, it does pay to invest in someone who really knows what they're doing, though. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that you've really sort of shown just these few minutes that we've been speaking is that you have actually taken the time to invest in yourself. And that is something that I personally really, really value in people, people that will invest in themselves and their craft. And that is another element to the society that, you know, I felt was really important was to encourage the industry to invest in themselves and their craft and to get better at what they do. So not only are we here to promote the best of the industry, the people that value high levels of customer service, the people who value your wedding day, who value what they do for your wedding day, we're also there to encourage them to go out and learn more and to become better and to be the best. And that doesn't mean that you have to spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds to Investing yourself is never a waste of money in my book. Um, and it's something that we should all do regardless of what type of bride we serve. So that I think is awesome. hundred <laughs> percent. I think, I think absolutely. I mean, for me, money, money gives me freedom. It gives mm. me, uh, gives me time to invest in myself and it gives me the capital to do that as well. Uh, it's not the reason why I do weddings. Um, um, I, I earn okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably at the premium end of the, um, the scale when it comes to booking a DJ or a wedding supplier, but it's still not about the money. No. I mean, if I, if I was just paid the money, but, and I just turned up, and went, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do it. I no. mean, it's not, it's not about that. It's, it's, it's about creating, creating this moment in time that is worth it for the client, but it's also worth the time that I'm investing in doing it. Yeah, definitely. So you are actually one of our lovely members in the society. And I am so grateful to have you in the membership because I think you are a shining example of what the society stands for. Um, So I just wondered if you could touch on why you find the society something that is important in the industry and uh, why people should perhaps consider joining. First of all, I think the fact that the society promote professionalism and professionalism in a a tangible way. And what I mean by a tangible way is because the society promote it in a tangible way with education, with these blogs and these video blogs, and it's not elitist, but it, it does inspire. It provides opportunity to raise your game. So when you started this society, I, you know, I leapt on straight away. For me, you, you you ticked all the boxes. Am I going to get as much out of it as someone who's just starting? Well, I don't think that's even relevant. Um, mm. I, I, I like to hang out with positive people. 
love that. Uh, it's it's the it's the one thing that's grown my business more than anything I've ever done. Mm. It's to just realize there are people that will lift you. As my my friend Mark Fell once said, don't listen to the people that say you can't. Listen to the people who say you can. Mm. Yeah, and I'm paraphrasing, but we need societies like this to actually raise the profile of what is possible yeah and inspire others to join because they want to be better they and they want to learn from their peers and not forgetting that someone who's just been doing it two minutes probably has as much education that they can pass on to someone that's been doing it 40 years Mm. never assume the fact that just because you've been doing it a long time that you know better yes And that is such an excellent point. And thank you for saying that because I've had people turn around to me and say, you know, if you've got somebody who's been in the industry 20 years and, you know, they're at the top of their game, why would they want to join the society? And because I'm not 20 years into the game and think I was sort of sitting there thinking, well, you know, I want them to join because I want them to be part of it. And I think you've got a wealth of experience that you can bring to members that are newer. And they were like, but yeah, but what's the advantage to them? And I was thinking, oh, I really, I can't put my finger on the answer to that. And you've just said it there to be around positive people, to be inspired. And yet, like you just said, you can still learn from somebody who's new that, you know, there is a possibility you can teach an old dog new tricks. (laughs) 100%. So, More than ever, we are seeing with what's gone on this year, I feel couples are going to be looking for certainty. They're going to be wanting to know that they are safe and that they are taken care of. And that is something that I feel the society can help with is that we can say, you know, our members, they've signed our code of conduct. They they agree to provide excellent service. We've checked they've got insurance. We've checked that they've got contracts. You are good to go. And it is basically then a case of couples finding that personality match like we were talking about earlier is saying, you know, we want Want to work with you because we like you and we know that everything else is taken care of because you're a member so that's something that's really important for me in what I'm doing is that I am here to promote professionalism to promote people who want to be professional that really love the industry like I am I so love the wedding industry and what's been going on this year has just been so devastating to watch but going forward It's going to be something that's more important than ever, I feel, that people are going to want that assurance. I think this year has been a challenging year, but also a year uh, with opportunities for growth. Mm. But I think uh, the one thing that has kind of stood head and shoulders for me is with the clients, it's that uncertainty. So uncertainty, they're sitting there listening to the news uh, when Boris comes on and says nothing's going to happen for six months. Mm. They suddenly start to all feel a bit nervous and they start to either cancel or postpone. Mm. And then a few weeks back, he came up with the idea and the notion that everything was going to be fine by April and suddenly everything relaxed. Now, we don't (laughs) even know if that's going to be true, but the reality is that those two messages had completely opposite reactions from Mm. couples. One was fear that suddenly, oh, what are we going to do? And this this guy that we've booked for to be the DJ or or booked to make our cake or do do our our, our, 
are they going are they going to be decent people are they going to leave us hanging and it's that reassurance i think the wedding industry more than any other industry out there has supported its clients 110 percent we've we've ended up being like mini counselors we've we've talked to uh couples about the possibilities of how we can make even on a smaller uh, number of people how we can make that still wonderful Mm. we we've done all those things so um i think there's been lots of opportunity but yes it's it's been a um interesting year and that's and that certainty that reassurance is what they're looking for right now This episode is brought to you by the Society of Professional Wedding Vendors membership, a membership that focuses on celebrating you for your professionalism and setting a standard in the wedding industry. For the month of December, we have a fantastic Christmas gift for you and your business. We know it's been tough this year. So today and until the 23rd of December, you can join us for just £10 and your agreement to our code of conduct. And you will get 60 days access to membership worth £35. You can find out more at www.spwv.co.uk. Merry Christmas to you and your family. So tell us a little bit about your year, Alan, because obviously as a DJ, and I feel so bad for the DJs because I feel like, you know, people were going, oh, well, weddings can happen. And, and you know, there was a whole Twitter fiasco with, what's her name, Edwina Curry, turning around and telling all the wedding vendors, go, just go out and start stacking shelves and stop complaining or something along those lines, which, oh, got my goat. I had to come off of Twitter that day because I was ready to really say some things I might regret. But um, for other vendors, you know, celebrants have been able to sort of pop in and out with things. Photographers have been able to pop in and out. You know, sort of the start of the day, people have been able to sort of do some weddings where couples have been, you know, eager to to do it regardless and do the big celebration another time. But for the reception end of things where the DJs come in and the live bands and the music, that hasn't happened this year at all. So what have you been doing with yourself? Okay, okay, so cast your mind back to March. In March, I was actually out in Las Vegas doing a workshop for a thing called The Love Story. I was actually doing a golden edition of that. And that following weekend, I was traveling back to the UK. um, Or during that week, I'd be traveling back to the UK. And I had a wedding, um, quite a big wedding to do that weekend. While I was out there doing this course, Donald Trump came onto the news and said that he was he was going to stop all the planes coming in and the, the boundaries would go up and you needed to get out of the country. So I was meant to be there from the Wednesday to the following Thursday and we had to get out on the Saturday oh my goodness. Uh, early because I had a wedding to do that following week. Now, if you remember, 21st of March was that awkward wedding. It was the awkward one where the government hadn't said that you couldn't have a reception in a hotel, but they had said that you can't go to a bar or you can't go to a restaurant. You can't do that. So even up to the last minute, we were not sure whether yeah. we'd, I'd be turning up the, on the Saturday morning to do a wedding for the couple who were absolutely, you know, what are we going to do? Well, our family yeah. travelled from all over the place to have this wedding. Now, talking about social media... Of course, I made the mistake of posting on social media the fact that I was working and I was berated by the entire 
DJ industry for the fact that I was apparently uh, the reason that COVID was out there and people like me shouldn't deserve to be alive. And I mean, Oh my it really goodness. Messy. It got really messy. And from that point onwards, I kind of stepped away from that. But that was the 21st of March and that was the last time I was allowed to legally DJ at an event because weddings mm. are my thing. Um, and haven't done since. So I haven't been able to DJ since then. So I had to change my way of thinking. I had to take my focus away from the things I couldn't change Mm. and then change the way I thought about the things that I couldn't change. Yeah. And and cultivate some positivity in my life. Uh, Now, one of the things I regularly do and have been doing for the last couple of years is I go out every single morning and I go for a walk and I go for a five mile walk before breakfast every day. And today was 625 days in a row that I've done that live on Facebook. Wow. And that was because a friend of mine from Minnesota called Bill Herman saw how much weight I'd lost because I lost four and a half stone in just over um, just over a year. Congratulations. And he saw that and he came onto Facebook and said, well, I'm going to do that. In fact, I'm so confident I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it for 365 days live on Facebook. And I thought, well, okay, how can I support my friend in Minnesota? I'll do it as well. Yeah. And I do that every day. Now, the reason I mentioned that is because when I replaced the my ability to go out there and perform and do what, you know, we like to be in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. DJs, we're, we're, we're showmen. This is what yeah. we do. Et cetera. So, <laughs> I, so, I, so now I had this platform each morning that I could talk to whoever stumbled across this crazy guy walking in the, the countryside in, near Andover. <laughs> and something happened while I was doing that. And I've been doing that now, as I say, 625 days. So By the time I got through to COVID this year, I was already in my stride. I'd already, you know, kind of got this nailed down. Yeah. But what I didn't realize was when you start walking and you start recording yourself on uh, Facebook, you have to think about, well, you can't just go, well, I'm putting one foot in front of the other and I'm doing, and now I'm walking again, I'm walking more because that's going to get boring (laughs) quite quick, quick. So I had to start thinking about, well, I need to talk about something that's going to be positive. So I started reading a little bit more and I started working on, well, I need to talk about something. It doesn't need to be um, scripted, but it needs to be free flowing. But each day I need to talk about something that's going to be positive. And maybe, just maybe, people that are watching this will feel positive as well because everybody's being dragged down by all this negativity that was is out in the universe right now about the all the stuff that we can't do and what happened was I suddenly realized the fact that I was forcing myself to be positive every single morning and I was ticking this box which I think is really important uh, about goal setting I was ticking a box each day that was a thing that I could have easily not done but I've done this thing now what else can I do so I started my day off with positivity every day. And that and that kind of got me through uh, this year. Yeah. Because I was still actively doing stuff that was positive. I wasn't dwelling on the things that were uh, negative, things I couldn't do. I also, as soon as I get back from my walk every day, I also um, post a meme every day. And that meme's meant to be um, inspiring or at least open a conversation around something and it may have just been a thought that I was having on my walk etc but I did that as well so I had these things going for me and I then thought well I'm a DJ how am I going to how am I going to um, replace that part so what I did was I, I thought well why am I a DJ 
well, I'm a DJ because I love music. Well, okay, let's reconnect with the music. I can't do it live. So I started creating these curated Spotify lists for myself, which then got taken up and, you know, friends were kind of playing these lists, etc. Mm. So I, I found a way to replace the performance that I love to do. And through all this, of course, I'm like many of the wedding suppliers, I was still in touch with all of my couples and being sympathetic and trying to work with them to make sure that we could carry on working. Now, as you rightly say, on the 1st of August, Boris came on and said, well, on the 1st of August, everyone can go back to work and we can have weddings and they can only, but they were only allowed to be uh, 30 people. And then it went down to 15. Mm -hmm. But you're not allowed to have a DJ and no dancing because, well, DJs, they make people dance and drink and and do naughty stuff. And we don't want people to do that because we're trying to stop people having a good time. So the only way I can (laughs) DJ was if I turned up and what first thing I said on the microphone was, right, sit down, don't enjoy yourself, I'm going to play you some music. And I somehow couldn't see that that was even <laughs> going to be a thing. So I, I parked it and I decided, well, like many of my DJ friends, we hoped, we didn't really believe, but we hoped that by the autumn we might have found something or we might be getting through or it might have dissipated in the summer. And we was there was a hope that that would happen. The reality is that I will not be able to legally DJ a wedding until at least April. And that knowledge has filtered out to the world. And obviously with things like the CMA, uh, um, guidance on deposits, etc., I was finding myself this year actually paying more money back than I was actually earning. In fact, I wasn't earning anything without grants and the bounce back. And the fact that I'd already believed in putting some money away for the what if, that got me through the year, as it were. But so long story short, that's that's kind of been my year. Yeah. So you have been able to take advantage of some of the government help that's been out there, which is fantastic news. But I just want to sort of touch on the fact that you said that you had a little safety net of your own, because I think as entrepreneurs, as business owners, it's one of those things that we really forget to do. It's it's something we forget to put into our bottom line when we're doing all of our dishing out. This goes to the tax man. This goes to my shopping and this goes to wherever else we tend to forget that we need to be building that. So talk to me about when you kind of started with that. Is it something that you've always done? And and how, how does that actually work with your sort of, with your split in your money? Is it something that you consciously say sort of 10% is going? How does that work for you? Okay, so first of all, no, I was absolutely useless with money. I've always been useless with money. Um, I money. <laughs> if, I need, if I if I needed something, I always found money, and the, enough money came in, and I and I I was okay. I mean, I, I you know I knew I knew like most of us how to use a credit card, uh, which is not a good thing, by the way. And I knew and I, I knew how to um, you know get the stuff I needed, and the and the bills got paid, and the mortgage got paid, and all those things got paid. But I there was always this kind of um, ache in the back of my um, brain saying, yeah, you need to do something a little bit more than that. Mm. And it was a couple of years ago, I was out in Las Vegas at the uh, Mobile Beats, which is a uh, conference out there in Las Vegas. And I saw a guy called Michael Michaelwitz, 
Um, I'm probably saying his surname wrong, but he wrote a book called Profit First. And the idea of Profit First is that you have small plates. So if you want to lose weight, what do you do? You 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 get a smaller plate. You have mm. a yeah, rather than have a big plate that you're going to pile up with all the food, you have a smaller plate. So what you do is you break down your your finances into smaller plates and profit first because you 10% of everything I earn goes on to that plate, which is called my profit. And that's my bonus. Uh, That's my fun money. But the rest is going to be broken down into segments, which is going to pay my bills. And I started doing that a couple of years ago. And that enabled me to put some money away. Now, the quick and easy way, I would say, I mean, go book, go get his book, because it certainly can change the way you think about that. And there are other um, gurus out there regarding finance. But I would say that Initially, let's say all your bills came to, let's say, a thousand, two thousand pounds. Go take two thousand pounds and stick it into a bank account and forget about it. Mm. That is your emergency money. That is what so many in our industry didn't do. Yeah. Because when they switched the tap off in March, suddenly there was businesses, and especially those that were uh, limited companies who found themselves falling down the cracks and are still there because they're not being looked after. They they yeah. can't make themselves. They can't furlough themselves. They can't go unemployed. They can't. They can't do anything. They're stuck. And um, and Edwina Curry, bless her. Yeah, we don't care what you think. <laughs> you go get a real job, and then we then we'll listen to you. But um, yeah. thousand, maybe thousand, two thousand pounds put into that account. But ideally, the goal and the lesson that I think from this year, though it won't necessarily get you to the end because we've discovered that I'm going to I'm kind of technically unemployed for a whole year is at least try to put enough money away that will cover six months of your business you can't do it overnight but start with a thousand or two thousand pound your monthly yeah and then every so often start putting away that money to one side that this is if the another pandemic let's pray that that doesn't happen uh happens I'm okay for six months I can, I can I can last for six months, and that's kind of what what I did. Unfortunately, at the end of that six months, when we got through the six month, uh, my savings and that money that I had put away was diminishing pretty fast. Yeah. But um, I see twenty twenty for me has been an amazing year because I was I was taught a valuable lesson from twenty twenty, and that was don't be afraid to reach out to your friends and your your colleagues. My van packed up a couple months back and this is just at the point that I was starting to think maybe I need to go and find another job and my funds are dis- my funds were reasonably depleted at this point yeah. and we wasn't there was no hope that we were going to get anything more in fact the rumor was that we were the that even the the amount the government was going to give us was only going to be 20 percent at that point luckily yeah. they, they, they they that grant moves up to 80 percent and I was talking on my walk about the fact that, oh, my van's there and that's happened and there's a few things that have challenged, et cetera. And I wasn't being negative, but I was talking about the fact that, yeah, this is the reality of what's happening. And um, I tried everything. I've done everything, but I'm, I'm not sure what I do next. What happened then, and that's why 2020 is an amazing year for me, was beautiful lady called Della, who's a wife of a friend of mine called Andy, who lives down in Bristol, behind the scenes went and created a crowdfunding and within about 18 hours from around the world, because they reached out to DJs and my colleagues from around the world, 
they had funded over three, uh, just under three grand to pay for the substantial repairs that needed to be done on the van. Oh, wow. So for me, I was taught that lesson. The fact, first of all, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. Yeah. But secondly, we're, we're givers. We're, this is what we do for an industry. We like giving to people. We like giving them an experience, etc. But to be really good at giving, you have to be okay with receiving. And that was, I would say, 2020 for me. That's the highlight of my year. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And I think that is such a lovely thing for for us to see that that even though everybody has struggled through this year one way or another and the wedding industry has been devastated by what's been going on and and even somebody who was in in an okay position like you were I mean I remember you being quite positive that I think we spoke probably March April time so it was just when and we sort of all had visions that it'll be fine by summer and we'd be back to normal and everything would be okay and you were like it's okay. I've got six months in my bank because I've, I've I've saved that safety net. I'll be fine. And even to find out that you know, even through that, obviously yeah. it's gone on a lot longer than we ever anticipated. And you've had to do that work on yourself to be like, no, I'm going to continue to be positive. And you know, you put it out there. And I think one of the things that I sort of struggle with is I am, like you say, I think it is in this industry giver. I want to give and I want to support and I am out there and I'm supporting all my friends in business and I'm putting it out and putting it out. And then you kind of get these moments where you just feel like, is it ever coming back? Like I'm a complete believer in what you put out comes back for you. So I am happy to support and 110% and I'm behind people and and I do things that possibly I shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't go and do because it just puts a lot of stress on me. But I do have those moments where I'm just like, am I ever going to get the reciprocation coming back? And it's not necessarily from those individual people, because I am a complete believer that you can give to one person, they'll pass it on you. It's that, you know, pay it forward kind of attitude that, you know, they will pass it on to somebody else that will benefit and will benefit. But at some point that circle has to come back to me and you sit there and you, through this year, there's been so many times where I've thought, when is it coming back to me? And it's so lovely that that happened for you because you've done that 600 odd days of like putting that positivity out on Facebook to people. And through this year, especially, I think it's probably been an absolute blessing to so many. And then for you to have an issue that you needed help with and you put it out there and it came back to you. I think that's just fantastic. And that is such a lovely. Look, I I was, it was like a tsunami. I was bowled away from it. I mean, I was like a big baby quite, uh, when they when it was told to me this is what they'd done. I am probably the worst person in the world to give a present to because <laughs> I really, really struggle with receiving. I'm I'm t- totally a giver. My my friend Steve Bowen, who's um, over in Australia, where at the moment they haven't got any cases, um, and they're open as of today. They're opening everything up. They can do oh. events which is kind of nice but he he's got a thing called the boomerang theory and it's the fact that if you throw positivity out into the universe it will come back to you yeah 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 it might not come back the next day but it will come back yeah that's such a lovely note to end on thank you so much for coming on alan i think it's been such a great episode um it is probably my longest episode 
you know, I will do a bit of editing, but looking at the time, I can tell it's going to be my longest episode. But I think it's so good for the industry to hear from somebody else who has been through what they've been through. You know, I've had people come on here and talk about mindset, talk about, you know, nutrition, self-care and things like that. But they are not in the industry. They haven't been through what the other guys have been through. So it's just so nice to hear from you and hear your positivity and to see how you've made this year an impactful one for yourself and for others. So thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it Donna, thank you for inviting me you have welcome. a wonderful day <laughs> you too thank you guys i hope you enjoyed that episode if you did head over to the show notes and let me know your thoughts um i will pop that link in for the book in my show notes and i will put alan's links in there so you can go and find him on social as well and i will see you again next week bye for now Don't forget to hit those stars and leave a review of the podcast where you listen if you found value in what you heard today. It's a free way you can help the podcast reach more people just like you.